and I just was screaming like, oh my God, like, thank you, Jesus. Look how he showed up for me today. Mm -hmm. And I was on the phone with a friend and they said, do you really think that that was Jesus and that's how he showed up for you today? I said, absolutely, because you have no idea how long I've waited for this mango dragon fruit refresher. And I literally (laughs) said a little prayer and was like, come on, Jesus, come through for me today. And sure enough, it was there. And I said, Mm -hmm. absolutely, because I could have totally given up. I could have been mad and upset and angry. And I also feel as if if I can't rely on him to show up for the little Mm-hmm. small, minute things, how can I really trust and believe that he'll show up for some of the things that I consider really big? Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. Hello, Seekers. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. My guests today are actually fellow podcasters, Denise Poindexter and Mariana Ortega. They teamed up to bring an exciting, educational, and fun perspective on just how complicated life can be. And their podcast, The Complicated DM, is a platform that's used to educate others on the importance of a healthy lifestyle and relationships that erase social norms. They've had conversations about complications of adult friendships, going to therapy, racial health disparities, dating, and relating to siblings, just to name a few. I'm so excited to have them on so you can learn a little bit more about these two amazing women. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. We're glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, We're going to do this a little bit differently than we normally do since you both offer such unique perspectives and have your own unique stories. And then you're together as partners with this podcast. But why don't you start by each telling me the story of where you're from and how you end up in this area? Yeah, absolutely. Mara, you mind if I go first? Go for it. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Well, this is Denise, and I am actually... Uh, born and raised in the natural state of Arkansas. I always tell people I'm very much a Southern belle, um, <laughs> very nice, kind, um, living here in the Champaign-Urbana community. A lot of people initially realize I'm not from here because I'm so friendly and so nice and I don't meet strangers mainly because I grew up in an extremely small town in Arkansas. Very proud of growing up in a small town. I think it definitely shaped who I am today. And I have a solid foundation as it relates to um, extending grace and just being kind to other people and uh, being of service to others, which is probably why I'm heavily involved in a lot of community organizations. Um I ended up in this community for a job. My background actually is in higher education. So I actually started my career 
working for my undergrad uh, at Arkansas State University. I actually left Arkansas in 2007 and moved to Kansas, where mm-hmm. I worked at Kansas State University for about three years. I was definitely there three years too long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jayhawks? No, actually, no. the uh, the Wildcats. The so, Wildcats, okay. Yeah, yeah, the rivals of the Jayhawks, or gotcha. at least internally they believe they are rivals. Um <laughs> And then in 2010, I transitioned to uh, this community working at the University of Illinois. And I will say that my attitude when I moved to Manhattan, Kansas, was I don't need new friends. This is just a transition (laughs) job for me as I continue to advance in my career So I will admit that I did not necessarily invest in getting involved in the community or really doing anything Mm -hmm. outside of work, um, which was definitely a terrible decision to make Mm -hmm. um, because I absolutely disliked living in that community. So when Mm -hmm. I transitioned here in 2010, day one, I had the complete opposite attitude. I wanted to not only um, create a network within the Illinois community, but also within the local Champaign-Urbana community as well. And I relied heavily on my Southern charm to (laughs) connect with lots of individuals. As I mentioned, I um, am heavily involved in the community. So I sought after nonprofit organizations to connect with so that I can meet others that uh, were like-minded, but were definitely outside of the Illinois network as well, because I wanted to really put in the effort to see if Champaign-Urbana could be my next home. Mm. Um, And here we are almost 12 years later, I'm still here, still actively involved. My involvement is centered on um, organizations focused on women empowerment or of uh, the development of young women leaders as well. Hmm. I am a dog mom to an amazing 15 plus year old doggy. Um, she's <laughs> definitely my best friend, knows all my secrets and knows where all the <laughs> bodies are buried. So. <laughs> Probably helps dig, right? <laughs> She's never told a soul any of my secrets. So that's me. Yay. Oh, wait. Oh, one other thing. I'm so sorry. I actually no longer work in higher education. In 2019, I actually left higher ed and started a career um, in executive recruitment in the healthcare industry. 2019 was the year that I was getting ready to turn 40. And so I was going through a midlife crisis. In the moment, I did not know it was a midlife crisis. It was after the (laughs) fact um, that I figured out what it was. But I decided to start taking more risks in life um, because I started thinking about life expectancy and what I wanted my second half of my life to look like. And I took a chance on myself and landed in a completely new career that has been the most uh, amazing decision ever. I tell all, I'll tell everyone that I talk to that I encourage and motivate to take risks to take a step out on faith because we always talk about believing in God and trusting in God. 
but don't ever take that first step. And I tell other people to do it, but I'm like, oh, I would totally never do that. So I decided <laughs> to take my own advice and I took a leap of faith and it was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. Oh, that's so awesome. It's sometimes hard to take your own advice, right? Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's that whole do what I say, not what I do. Yes. (laughs) So uh, how about you, Mariana? Yeah, so I'm Mariana. Nice to be here with everyone. Hopefully this session, this podcast gives everyone some energy. Um, Buenas, buenas. That's how I like to greet um, when I'm in a setting. And my name is Mariana. I'm actually not from the Shambana area either. I identify as being from Nicaragua and I was born in Guatemala. I feel like I live a very hyphenated life. Um, I learned this concept from, I'm going to take credit because I think credit should be given where it's due, but there is a political analyst named Anna Navarro, and she talks about her hyphenated life, and I really connected with that a lot. I was actually born in Guatemala, raised in Nicaragua until the age of four, and then my family and I immigrated, well, really my mom and I immigrated to South Florida. Miami area. I lived in Liberty City for a little bit. We lived in Key Largo for a bit. And then my family settled in Homestead, Florida, which is as far south as you can get in Miami-Dade County. And I kind of grew up in that area around a lot of diversity, around a lot of different people that looked like me, um, around my native language, which is Spanish. It was um, it was a norm that a lot of people spoke Spanish. And then, you know, I was raised in your most traditional Latino household where my parents were super strict. Um, My mom remarried a Cuban. And so I was raised with a Cuban background in the sense of for the holidays, his family was around. She learned how to cook with him. Cuban music is what I grew up with. So that's why I say my life was very hyphenated from these different cultural backgrounds, but also um, what have shaped my identity. So back to that really strict Latino household, I wanted to leave and get out as far as possible in the state of Florida without paying out-of-state tuition. So I ventured <laughs> off 12 hours away from home um, to University of West Florida. I got my undergrad, my master's there, and I really realized an environment where the school was a primarily white institution, and I realized I wanted to give back to my Latino community. So I made it a goal that my next step or journey in life was going to be at an, at an institution of higher education um, that was a Hispanic-serving institution. And I have been in higher education for 12 years now. If you include my graduate work, um, I kind of just was doing a national job search, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if part of it is my immigration roots, but moving to a place where I don't know anyone doesn't scare me. Um, it doesn't, it's changed, but it, it excites me. So I moved to New Mexico and I worked there for six years at New Mexico State University, fell in love with the Southwest. A piece of my heart is still in the Southwest and um, lived there, worked there. And I reached a growing point in my job. I was no longer, didn't have the opportunity to keep growing. And I took another, really another leap of faith, did another national job search. I will tell you, From the beginning, I have never planned to be landlocked at any point in my life growing up so close to the water, but I have ended up in two landlocked states. Illinois was actually on my list of do not move to (laughs) because back in 2008, 
um, it wasn't the hot place to move to, especially if you're in higher education. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I really believe that I have been in every place I've been for a reason. And God has put me in each of those places for a reason because they've both been places that I never really imagined being in the middle of cornfields. I moved here for my job. I work within a diversity, equity, inclusion lens. I work in a cultural center and first work in diversity, equity, inclusion. And it's been, it's been changing and I've been growing a lot and continue to grow every day. And yeah, it's a little bit about me. I am a dog mom as well. I have an eight year old, pretty much he's a mix. He's a pit lab boxer, <laughs> greyhound. Um, I love him. His, his name is Harley Jenkins Ortega and uh, he's currently sick. So I hope he gets better. Um, and then what else? Let's see. I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that any community you're in, you should give back, even if you're not from that community. And I will say that's something I embodied and learned being out in the Southwest where everything really revolves around local markets, local vendors, um, fresh produce and giving back to a community and community helping each other out. I really believe my experience out there really and that's where I've gotten that that love for community. And for me, it was it's important to always have community around me, whether that's friends, um, the people I work with. And when I moved here, selfishly, I knew I needed to get connected with the community um, to help my job out and to help my students out, the students I serve. And that really opened a door to other nonprofit organizations that I'm currently involved in and that I that I love, that I find joy outside of work. Um, I believe work shouldn't be the only thing that encompasses who you are. So yeah, that's just a bit about me. Oh, that's really neat. I uh, So when I was in college in the early 90s and the hurricane came through mm-hmm. Miami, I actually got to spend um, two weeks in Homestead um, yeah. helping with the community and the um, Red Cross. Mm-hmm. And one of my really good college friend's sister was in charge of the community service office at the University of Miami. So that was actually my first exposure to the Latino community. Um, but I really enjoyed meeting the people there. And um, that's neat that you grew up there. Yeah, yeah. It's a completely different city now because of that hurricane. Hurricane mm-hmm. Andrew. I was, li- mm-hmm. I was little. I remember every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> So, um, so you both kind of came from very divergent paths. Um, how did you meet each other? <laughs> well, Mariana likes to say she was bamboozled uh, into attending. <laughs> I <a> was. <laughs> <laughs> she was invited to a brunch, and when she arrived, she learned that it actually was a brunch for women of color which we use to recruit for one of the nonprofit organizations um, that I was involved in at the time. And we decided to host a brunch to make it a little bit more intimate Mm -hmm. at um, a home of a mutual friend of ours. And that's where we met. And Mariana did join the organization. It did resonate um, (laughs) with her. But we when we met and started having conversations around a variety of different topics, we repeatedly would say to each other, oh, my God, I feel the same way. Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Oh, my God, I love her. Oh, my God, you do this. Like it was we had so many things in common. And I immediately wanted to be her friend. But 
you know, finding friends as an adult is really difficult. And I didn't know what to do or what to say, (laughs) but we did exchange numbers. And I remember being deathly afraid to send a message because I'm thinking, well, what is she going to think? Does she really want to be my friend? Does she exchange numbers because she felt obligated? But she actually reached out to me first. It was around my Mm. birthday and I was leaving for my birthday trip. And, um, oh, it was when I was turning 40. It was 2019. Because she was talking about her birthday and I was like, I feel like this is an invite. Sounds like it. She's like, but she never really gave me the details. (laughs) Well, I was traveling out of the country for my birthday. Uh, but I did she so she ended up sending a message and was like, let's hang out when you get back. And I invited her to my birthday bar crawl oh, um, wow. that we had. I don't know if it really was a bar crawl. We ate more than we did than we did of anything course. else. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I had T-shirts made for everyone <laughs> and I asked her for her side to make sure she could have a T-shirt uh as well and we've been together ever since it yeah. like our friendship really just blossomed and took off and mainly because how we uh, thought similarly about a lot of different topics hmm. i say our make it and break it was really amanda seals i believe that any person that loves amanda seals um they should be my friend. And that was that was my my deal maker when meeting Denise. Yeah. I was like, yep, she loves Amanda Seals just as much. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, when you find those things that you have in common that are maybe outside of the mainstream not the mainstream but like a little bit more niche yes um and then you find people that also like those things it is a nice um not a red flag but it's a green flag to to keep going. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I would say also like her faith, Denise, like just listening to Denise talk about her faith so openly, but also break the stereotype of what some people like mold into when people talk about faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank Hmm. you. Yeah, that's interesting. I found um, (laughs) that there is certain language or words or things that... um, people say that can give you insight into what their faith is and how they're applying it um, Mm -hmm. that can either invite you in or um, tell you to stay away. So what were some of those connectors, if you remember? Yeah, I would, I mean, thinking off the top of my head, I would probably just going back to her, your openness, Denise, to be like, you know, like, gotta pray about it or just always mentioning God in a way where I felt like hey that like that's also me because I grew up Catholic but I also grew up with a mom that was like he's your homeboy you need to just talk to him like whenever I was like how do you pray she just like just talk to him and listening to Denise almost you right like refer to God or her faith or what have you in that like normalizing it so much but at the same time being so real of who she is And I think that for me was because it's hard to find people that have the same like faith I do and right. And and to talk about God so openly or the Holy Spirit, but then also someone I can share multiple glasses of wine with (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or 
a jam to like really ratchet music too with awful <laughs> words that maybe don't align with the Bible, right? And I think that for me, it has the older I've gotten, it's been more rare to find that. Yeah, I like to tell people that I'm definitely a work in progress, but I think about, you know, my faith or think about God and how he shows up in all areas of my life, even really simple things. And and there was a moment once where someone made a statement because I was thanking God because uh, my mango dragon fruit refresher was still available at one of the local um, coffee places. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a new dr- it was a new <laughs> drink that was always out of stock. And mm-hmm. I went from one place, they didn't have it. And then I drove all the way across cross town and they had it. And I just was screaming like, oh my God, like, thank you, Jesus. Look how he showed up for me today. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone with a friend and they said, do you really think that that was Jesus and that's how he showed up for you today? I said, absolutely, because you have no idea how long I've waited for this mango dragon fruit refresher. And I literally said a little prayer and was like, come on, Jesus, come through for me today. And sure enough, it was there. And I said, absolutely, because I could have totally given up. I could have been mad and upset and angry. And I also feel as if if I can't rely on him to show up for the little Mm-hmm. small, minute things, how can I really trust and believe that he'll show up for some of the things that I consider really big? Mm. Um, so I do it with every little thing that happens. I'm like, oh, look at God. What he do? Look how he showed up for me today. When I, when I used to work on campus and my parking lot changed from something that took me 10 minutes to walk to the office to now three minutes, I'm praising Jesus that I only have a three minute walk today. (laughs) Especially when it's raining or snowing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't stop and be grateful for those little things and you aren't adopting this posture of relationship and gratitude, mm-hmm. how will you notice even, I mean, even if you don't believe that like God or Jesus are are doing those things, mm-hmm. you got to be grateful for the things that you're getting so that you continue to get the things that you want to need. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's just beautiful. We all should be cheering and praising and thanking for every mm-hmm. for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so, why did you decide to create a podcast? <laughs> well, we were actually on a girls' trip. Uh, it was yeah. our first time traveling together, and shortly, only just a few months after we initially met, and we were having another amazing conversation. And I, I'm not. I don't remember which of the two of us made the comment, but it was stated, we should totally start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I am an activator. I turn thoughts into action. And I said, let's do it. And we immediately started meeting and brainstorming and developing a plan. And voila, we actually have an amazing story on how our, our name came about. Mariana, you yeah. want to share our story? <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll add to it, you know, I had always wanted a podcast for years, and I never had a friend like Denise, 
that was just like, let's do this. And literally the next day there was an email and a text about just like meeting, let's talk about this, let's make this happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I finally found a friend that is as serious as I am and willing to put the work, uh, the work behind it. And so that was really exciting. That's kind of where it came about. But to answer your question a little bit further, it really stemmed from us having these really rich conversations that we felt like um, as we had them, we almost felt normal sharing these experiences with each other, whether that was how, what is, what is that like navigating being single, you know, in your late thirties, early forties. And what does that even mean to do that while also being a very independent person that um, is full of dreams and goals and right. And how does, how does all that intertwine together? And it felt like we were talking about these issues that I know I have other girlfriends or other people out there or people identify as women going through the same thing, but we don't, because it's such a stigma of where we should be or such a stigma of our culture, we're not breaking down those norms. And that's that's really where it really evolved. Or like, oh my gosh, these conversations are, are so deep and phenomenal and real, right? Mm-hmm. Real life of, of what humans experience every day. And um, every time Denise and I met up, it just felt like we were venting and processing, more like processing with each other than venting of like, this is what happened because we do both also play devil's advocate when we share things and we try to challenge our mind as well in our thought process mm-hmm. or check each other like, okay, maybe you're being a little bit too extra on that. <laughs> and uh, it just so happened we were talking about Denise was sharing some complicated things about a current relationship. She was you know, navigating and so was I. And I think one of us said, God, relationships are just so complicated. And then I don't know who said, yeah, life is just so complicated, isn't it? And we were at a stage where originally when we were kicking off this podcast, it was three of us. And I think that there is this lens when people publicly put their personal life right to the whole world that you do need to take seriously. And uh, the third person did not feel like they were in in that space. And I, Mm -hmm. I value them a lot because you really need to think about how much of your personal life we're going to put out there and how it could Mm -hmm. be manipulated realistically Mm -hmm. and so we had thought we had a name and then we had to start from scratch and realizing it was just both of us the name didn't fit and that's when it just it clicked Denise was like oh my gosh the complicated DM and DM was really stands for our initials and granted millennials or these youngings out here think it stands for something else since there's an underlining story when people slide into your DMs (laughs) so we thought that it was a it was a catchy name because, you know, people are going to assume it means something else, but it's really our initials and us really talking about the complicated, the complicated life, how complicated relationships are, how complicated it is to, to navigate this world, right, mm-hmm. as humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many layers. And yeah. the more aware you become, the more layers there are to it, which is both a gift and a challenge, right? Right. Um, because you're aware of things and you're aware of the many layers and you're aware of the other people and mm. uh, your interactions with them and, and the way that how you show up and what you say and what you do lands with other people and respectful of them. And then you also, as you become more aware of yourself, you become aware of your boundaries and your needs Mm. and your wants and your identity and, and being an autonomous individual. So, yeah, I mean that all that stuff is complicated and beautiful. 
and yes. and wonderful right. um and and what a gift it is number one to have a friendship where you can mm-hmm. uh navigate that and then to be able to share the conversations that you have and to normalize those kinds of conversations because i think you know there's more people who are maybe there's people who are growing in their awareness, but there's not a lot of um, models for how to walk that way all, mm. as much as there should be. Yes. So you're providing a gift for what those conversations can actually look like. And what are the questions yeah. that you should be asking yourself? And what are questions that somebody who you trust and value um, in a relationship can be asking you? And how do you provide feedback to somebody? How do you receive feedback from somebody? And so that's that's a wonderful gift and service that you're giving to people, to your listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for Thanks. that. That's definitely our hope uh, mm-hmm. when we decide on different topics and the conversations we, we choose to have. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. yeah, And I think the most important thing, or I think one thing that I've found value in is the amount of people that maybe feel lonely because they're having the same thought. And then they listen to an episode and they realize like, wow, I wasn't by myself on this thought process or mm-hmm. on, on this topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what has been your other kind of big discoveries, either about your guests or about each other or about your your own self and your own experience through creating the podcast? I think for me, I've learned that I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not crazy and that there are so many other people that my story resonates with them because it's always amazing when I receive feedback from those that have listened to an episode, whether they text, whether they slide in our DMs to share a comment um, and and realizing that we needed to have that conversation because sometimes Mm -hmm. after we record an episode, I immediately will say, oh, I don't feel good about that. Oh, I think (laughs) I might've said something stupid. hangover right right and so mariana um has the lovely responsibility of editing our podcast and she will edit and will send to me to to listen to see if there's anything else that she should cut i actually don't listen again uh (laughs) i tell her i trust you i trust your judgment if i said it i meant it and maybe it needs to be in the universe uh So I just let it flow because I also want to show up in an authentic way as well. And however I was feeling in that moment during the recording, because we don't prep a lot of times beforehand, we don't have an outline. Um, We typically just talk and just let it flow. And I I want to make sure that our podcast continues to be organic Mm -hmm. and flow in a way that that it should flow. Like I definitely rely on, um, you know, Jesus to lead me and guide me. You know, Mm -hmm. we will say, you know, take the wheel and whatever we should say or whatever needs to be heard will flow um, and that it'll touch other people. And that has happened. We've had individuals, for example, when we did our podcast about 
therapy. I'm definitely a proponent of therapy. I tell everyone that I'm in therapy and been in therapy for years. And I might go monthly. I might go quarterly. I might go weekly. It just depends on what's happening in my life. But definitely a proponent for therapy and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had individuals that will that have reached out to us and shared i started going to therapy after i listened to that episode mm. or i'm looking to find a therapist what resources or recommendations do you have and i think that that's really powerful and important if we if we want to continue to erase these social norms and the stigma that's around therapy especially in our communities you know mm-hmm. a lot of people um, that I know personally from back home would will say, wait, you're in therapy? Girl, I didn't know you were crazy. And I'm like, yes, I am very crazy, crazy enough to go to therapy to sort out all my issues so that I can put a stop to these generational curses, right? These things that are passed down from generation to generation because no one will take time to think about ways that we can view the world differently and respond differently um, and just be a good human and a different person. Like my past, my experiences do not necessarily have to shape my future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, to answer your question, I think I've learned three really big things. And Denise is probably gonna be like, duh. (laughs) Um, because (laughs) doing this podcast, I think has brought a very different level of self-awareness and maybe it's because I'm the one doing the cutting, but I really doing the cutting, you really go back and you listen to what you're saying, you know, and you reflect on a very different level, um, of what you just, and what you just shared about certain topics. I would say that I've learned that it really is important to share more of your personal experiences and what you're going through with those around you, maybe not just your close friends. I'm a very private person. So when people learned that I was doing this podcast, I got really interesting reactions. But I think also from my family and close friends, not close friends, more my family, they were like, oh my gosh, like you, you went through that. That's really how you felt. That's really how you feel. And it brought a very different lens of me really, really being dedicated to sharing more of my personal stories and how much that can impact someone or how much that can affect someone in in the decision they're going to make or not feel alone. I think that I really learned that people listen to me (laughs) and actually (laughs) want to hear my advice or want to hear me. I think one of the most humbling comments was, and this was a student I used to have at a different school, was like, I have so much comfort in listening to you in the podcast because it almost makes me feel like we're having a one-on-one again. And they're like, and your friend Denise is super dope. Like, I feel like she's just another you, very different though, right? With her own unique way. And so I was like, oh, people actually (laughs) listen to me or my advice (laughs) or what I have to say. And then I also never have never felt like I'm a structured person unless it comes to work and then I separate how I am at work versus personally. And that is not the truth. I have actually learned with Denise that I am a very structured person and I've had to learn to just like be okay if we're recording and it goes longer, be okay if not we're not recording the day we said, be okay if we don't have an outline, if we're not as like, we don't do as much of the prep that Denise said. And I have, I don't think I have ever learned to do that in my personal life until this mm-hmm. podcast. 
um, because that is so much of maybe like who I am at work. And so I think for me personally, just taking away a lot of growing aspects of who I am as a person that you realize a lot when you listen to yourself and your voice and what you say and how you answer to certain questions. Um, because we're really not being true to ourselves if, right, if that's what we're cutting out, if that's what I'm cutting out. Um, and so, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's been a, it's been an interesting, I've learned a lot about Denise. People think we're really close and we are, but there's so much about her I've learned. Like she loves tacos just like me. She loves rice <laughs> just like me. She'll say stuff. And I'm like, really (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was surprised when she said wait you love tacos I could eat tacos every day and I absolutely do love rice I literally could eat rice for breakfast lunch and dinner Um, and it's because my grandmother would cook rice all the time and I I grew up in a home in which she lived uh, with us and she did a lot of cooking and would cook rice all the time and it's just something that I continued to do not realizing that um, where where it came from until I thought more about it when someone asked why are you always eating rice I'm like well my grandmother used to cook rice all the time and God rest her soul my grandmother lived to be 103 years old wow um, which was something else that had me think a little bit more about life expectancy. Clearly she lived an amazing and long life, but it was also again around the time frame when I was getting ready to turn 40 and you know, all of this death was happening uh, within my family and lots of transitions and started doing a lot of reflecting and really just wanted to live life, just just have good experiences and surround myself with really amazing people. So Yeah, so little things like that, you know, rice, tacos. How wonderful to have a friend like that. You know, I think a lot of people find that in a, like a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. And there's another kind of layer to it with a romantic partner. But to have that kind of level of commonality and also independence and mm-hmm. autonomy in a friend mm-hmm. that is not a romantic partner is is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm you know, glad you mentioned that because I remember I saw a post a while ago where someone talked about how we we put in lots of effort um, and energy into sustaining our romantic relationships. And we'll fight for a romantic relationship when mm-hmm. things feel off, but we don't necessarily put the same energy and effort in our into our platonic relationships. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we take advantage of those platonic relationships thinking, well, that person will always be there regardless of how I show up or don't show up or what I say or what I don't say. Whereas in romantic relationships, we're a little bit more cautious with how we show up Mm -hmm. and the things that we say because we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings and um, things of that nature. And, And I found that to Um, to be striking because I think it's kind of true. I started thinking about some of my own platonic relationships and how, you know, I might go distant if I'm going through some emotional moments. um, And I realized that I needed to communicate with my platonic friends just as much as I need to communicate with a romantic friend as well and put in the same energy and effort because it takes work to continue to develop a really strong and lasting relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. I'm glad you said that. What I was going to say is I'm glad you said that because I feel like for me, the I think the ability to have this kind of friend, someone's there as long as we individually are in that place to accept it. And but I, I really do think because I, I have gotten comments like I had a comment from someone that I knew back in New Mexico moves here for school and their response to my relationship with Denise was, wait, you didn't know her before moving to Illinois. Like, why do I feel like you knew her? I swear I met her. I was like, no, you've never met her. I just <laughs> met her. <laughs> and I really do feel like we all have. And so, so I say this to share that she was coming from this lens of like, almost asking like, how do you, how did you develop the friendship right that fast? Like you just met her. And I really do believe we have the ability to do that. If we are centered in a space where we're, we're open to that, to receiving that, to being vulnerable, to being real, because I think that's one of the things I cherish about our friendships, my friendship with Denise and my friendship with other people is the realness of someone being able to say like nicely, share something and you being receptive to maybe it's not going to agree with you, but they're also sharing something to be real, to be an honest friend. And I much rather have that and listen to something that maybe I don't want to hear than have someone that that's just going to say what I want to hear to keep mm-hmm. me in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you both kind of talked a little bit about your faith system, your religion growing up. How do you think you know, as you're in your 40s, as you're in your late 30s, and had all these kind of life experiences, how has that um, evolved for you? And how has it um, kind of shaped what you're involved in? I think for me, it has been a journey of being comfortable of where I am with my faith. And it doesn't matter what others say or how others judge that involvement looks like and continuing to practice what I feel. So let me explain a little bit. Um, I used to be part of a church in El Paso, Texas that I that I, I love that church. I actually struggled when I moved and was trying to find a new a new home here, didn't really find it. But one of the things that I realized, even not going every every Sunday to church, um, moving here, I actually feel even closer to God than I did when I was at that church because I felt like my my personal experience it was phenomenal. You know, we were doing stuff in the community, but sometimes I didn't feel like I constantly thought about God twenty four seven or or had Him so present. And so for me, it's been being okay that this is how my faith is. I'm still a believer, but not allowing others maybe to judge me because I'm not at church every Sunday, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not in a Bible study group and not that I'm against it, like I'm not, but typically you only get invited to those if you you belong to a church Mm -hmm. and really being okay that my faith is just as strong, that I talk to him about stuff. Like I I promise you he's like my homeboy, Um, I'm really connected with the Holy Spirit and a lot of stuff. I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. Like he was warning me (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and really being okay with that journey that, that, that I have in my life and what that means. Um, And that means, you know, lighting a candle and saying a prayer for someone and that, you know, a lot can argue that's super Catholic. Um, But yeah, owning up to what, what my, what my faith is and what that practice looks like and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in church. Uh, we had to go to church every Sunday. 
that included Sunday school, um, Sunday service, another service, possibly in the afternoon, Bible study on Wednesday evenings, just a lot of church Bible. Um, what was it called? I'm so old now, but in the summer, vacation Bible school, there we go. Oh, vacation yeah. Bible mm-hmm. school in the summer, mm-hmm. all the things. And so I do believe that that definitely helped build a solid foundation for me um, as it relates to my faith and what I believe. I will add that as I continue to get older and experience different things and have life outside of my small town, um, especially going away to college and then even leaving the state of Arkansas, that while I still have very much a strong faith, still believe in you know, going to church and having that fellowship, a lot of my views are probably different because I I understand the world from a different lens and a different perspective now, just based on my personal experiences, the people that I've met, um, the relationships that I've developed. And I think it's definitely a beautiful and magical thing that has happened for me. And I'm truly thankful that I was able to to leave that area, to be able to to experience different things because I look back and reflect and think, oh my God, I can't believe I used to think that way or I can't believe that I thought that was okay. Um, I mean, it's no secret that overall the state of Arkansas is very much a conservative state Mm -hmm. and conservative environment. And my views are definitely different than what my environment was when I was much younger because I just find it hard to believe that we have this loving God that would support or agree with any type of hate, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely know if you read your Bible that there were definitely lots of instances where Jesus was, you know, very strong and would definitely communicate uh I'm going to use the term thoughts. They were not his thoughts. They were facts, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, As it relates to certain things, as it relates to love uh, Mm -hmm. and, and thinking of others and extending grace and forgiveness and all of those things. And to see a world that we live in where people are challenged by loving others, right? Loving others does not mean you don't have any boundaries at all. Um, You can still love and still create really healthy, safe boundaries for yourself. But I do think that if we um, extended grace more often, um, Mm -hmm. that we would probably be in a different worldly environment. Mm -hmm. More grace, less judgment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I think there's a lot of people, um, both kind of the millennial generation, um, and and people younger and older than that, who really are turning turning away from the structure um, or imposed doctrine um, of organized religion, or or they're even if they're not turning away, maybe they're indifferent to it. Mm-hmm. But um, they want to have that meaning. They want to have the purpose. They want to not just look at some of these things in the abstract, you know, love in an abstract, but actually mm-hmm. wrestle with what does it mean to love in my life? So 
as people who have kind of moved away from some of that structure that you grew up with, um, yet still have very deep faith and relationship with the God of your understanding, what wisdom would you have to share with others of, um, of who are wrestling with the same things? Yeah, I think the pandemic definitely taught us that we do not have to organize in a church building to mm-hmm. have church, to pray, to fellowship, because we didn't have that opportunity for a significant amount of time, yet they found other ways, taking advantage of technology, for example, to stay connected with the congregation, to stay connected with others that they develop relationships in the church and that they probably only saw on Sundays anyway. And I think for me, uh, that was something that I always believed in and, and, and felt was okay beforehand. And so I'm appreciative, although I hate this pandemic, I'm appreciative that it was able to allow others to not be as organized or structured as they felt they had to be mm-hmm. previously. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this current generation, Generation Z, who are headstrong and definitely breaking down all social norms um, <laughs> and doing it unapologetically, um, they're doing it because, um, you know, I'll, I'll give us the credit. We've, we've created them. We've shaped them, you know, mm-hmm. especially our experiences in higher education when we mm-hmm. are working one on one with students and giving them the courage and wisdom to to show up in spaces authentically and advocate mm-hmm. for themselves like we mm-hmm. their parents their educators we've taught them to be this way yet there are so many people who hate them because of who they are mm-hmm. but i'm appreciative um, of them and the way that they've shown up for um all of our communities and the way that they continue to show up uh, for our communities to uh, combat some of these uh, systemic structures that have been formed and created over the years. And they want to tear them down because they don't want to be confined to one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely open to what this world could be and what it could look like. And mm-hmm. they're doing everything that they can to to make it happen. So I'm definitely appreciative of their efforts and think that we don't have to have this structure or this organized religion to walk in our faith appropriately, to believe, you know, in God and to show up in other communities and, and talking and expressing um, about our faith. Like we can just do it in so many different ways. And again, I just think that had we not experienced this global pandemic that a lot of um, organizations would still be as rigid and structured as they were beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the advice I would give is that to really reflect, well, there's like two parts to this question that I think of. I think the first one is not everyone, but I do feel like a lot of people that have moved away from this structured organizing, organized system, sometimes it is because of a trauma that, mm-hmm. that that they experienced, they went through, or not even a trauma, but something that they witnessed that all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, like, how can mm-hmm. I really be part if 
X, Y, and Z are my values, which X, Y, and Z to me aligns with with Christianity, with God, with believing, yeah. but it's contradicting, yeah. right? There's dissonance. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's one part because when I think about my how I was shaped to have the beliefs I have, it stems from my mom being so traumatic in the Catholic Church because she grew up more like Denise, but she was forced. And in that force, because she was the the more the wild child of the family and like went out and actually drank and this and that, she was just the demon and right in the church's view. Mm-hmm. And she never wanted to raise me with these strict boundaries of like, this is the box you need to fit in in order to believe and that's it. But I remember the tipping point for me was my sister was getting ready to do her confirmation. And uh, my mom had asked me at the time, like, hey, do you want to do your confirmation, your communion, all that? But I was listening to my sister and she was telling me that she had to go and disclose all the bad things she did, like everything to the priest. And then she was told how many like Hail Marys to do and all that. And I remember being terrified because I was like, everything like all the bad things to this human like what if he tells my mom and I was just like "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh like I'm not doing that and for me that was I I really do feel like that was my defining moment where my faith kind of shifted and so this is only one story and one perspective in one person but I do believe there are these small whether it's generational or individually that we experience of why we have moved away from a more structured system I think the advice I would give is to really sit back and and reflect on what are you doing daily with your friends because in reality what we were raised in these structured systems to do we kind of are practicing it within our circles you know this concept of fellowship we're we practice that sometimes with our friends and sometimes topics come up that we're actually helping a community member in need or we're supporting one another or we're encouraging one another or sometimes we're even referring one another to right to to rebelieve or have faith that 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 is coming that they're praying for and that encouragement and that we we are creating these sometimes within our groups we are fostering what these structured systems are but in in our own way and so what does that look like for each individual um and remembering to right when we are coming in fellowship are we contributing to like a positive narrative or are we not and so i think that's the advice i would give is like really pause and think about what are the ways of whatever it was you're raised in in these structured settings that maybe you you kind of are you have adapted in a way and how can you make that even stronger mm-hmm. um, yeah. how can you make that fellowship even stronger in some of those conversations you're having mm. and I love the idea about being intentional about um, bringing in your faith and belief just as much as you you know uh, normalize talking about working out or eating healthy. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about normalizing going to therapy, normalizing your faith. It doesn't have to be something that, uh, you know, is a separate part of you that you hide away. Right. Um, and I, I love the idea about giving people permission to redefine things mm-hmm. because there's lots of valuable traditions and rituals and, structure within our institutional churches Mm -hmm. uh, that there's nuggets of of goodness and benefit there and maybe we've talked about it the wrong way or we've um or not not wrong but in a in an unhelpful way Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we've kind of defined it 
and identified it in an unhealthful way. And like you were saying, how can we redefine it in a more life-giving, affirming way mm-hmm. and transformative way? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think about my be- my best friend, that one of my best friends that's in Germany, her group of um, really close girlfriends, they have this group chat. And in the group chat, like, yeah, they'll share things, you know, here and there. They've known each other since middle school. But they also, it's also like a prayer group chat in the sense of they'll throw in there like, hey, pray for blah, 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 whether it's personally or someone else. And this collective group of women are all collectively praying about everything that people are putting in the chat. And so they each have a different day. They don't they don't necessarily get together, be right, because everyone's really busy and everyone's on different time zones. But when they each individually pray, whether that's a certain time of the of the day, every day or what have you, it's they're referring back to this collective text the text message. <laughs> right. Cool. Of of yeah, of these different things that I mean, I don't think that's anything different than in a service when the pastor's reading, right, all the families that need prayer or the individuals in that in that service, part of that congregation, I, I feel like that's that's not anything different. It's almost like the yeah. modern version of that. Yeah. Oh, I really yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a text prayer chain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've just really enjoyed this conversation and you both are such just inspiring women. Um, So thank you for your openness. I really like to end all the podcasts with just another opportunity to get to know you just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So I have these like rapid fire questions that we can go through. So are you you open to that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what's something that people get wrong about you? (laughs) Oh, you know what I mean? Really? That you're mean? Mm -hmm. And you're so kind. She's one of the most kindest individuals I know. She actually reminds me of me. Like she's like a giver. (laughs) Like she will, she will see something that reminds her of me and will get it for me. Even if it's something such as a sticker or just something really sweet and simple. And I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, I do stuff like this. I never had a me in my life. So super super kind. Um, I think people think that I live the most lively and extravagant life, um, but really I'm at home napping all the time. Because <laughs> how can she not? She like knows so many people and she's so involved. <laughs> nope, I'm at home taking a nap. You got to recharge. Exactly. You got to recharge. Exactly. Um, what's your favorite or most meaningful spiritual practice right now? Oh, wow. Um, Mariana, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine would probably be lighting a candle. I faithfully have some, and I just will say a prayer, and I'll light it. And when it's getting ready to burn out, I'll ask the person, like, hey, how are, you know, what's going on? And if I need to relight it, I'll relight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, me is really just having normal, everyday, regular conversations with God. Um, I I don't have set times that I pray, but I just pray throughout the day. Whenever you know it hit it hits me, I have I keep at my desk um, at home uh, a three minute devotions for the workplace, so mm-hmm. that um, even during the week 
I'm thinking about God and how he could show up for me and my work day. But definitely mm-hmm. just, you know, when I'm in my car, if I'm exercising, definitely if I'm exercising, because I need Jesus to get me through whatever I'm doing <laughs> and try to exercise. <laughs> but uh, I find when I have just normal everyday conversations, it's easier for me to actually hear him when he speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the divine as most alive for you in this season of your life? Mm. Mm. That's a really <laughs> that's a really great question. You know, I actually feel as if I am in um, a transition right mm. now, and I feel um, like in between phases of life and. It definitely um, brings uncertainty to me, uh, which brings anxiety to me, which mm-hmm. requires me to to pray more, um, to journal um, a little bit more, and to really think about uh, what my purpose is in this moment and what the transition will actually uh, look like. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely praying and and waiting for that moment when everything in life seems normal again, which mm-hmm. who knows what normal will actually look like, mm-hmm. but I, I'm definitely in a season of transition. And so the conversations that I'm having are quite different now than what I would traditionally have. Mm-hmm. Man. Um <laughs> I feel like it's just showing up a lot in in some like past current relationships um, a lot. I think maybe even being saved <laughs> from being in those in that relationship. I don't know. I, I think right now, definitely in a specific relationship, it's showing up a lot. Mm-hmm. What's one thing in your life that might seem ordinary to other people, but is sacred for you? Ooh. So everyone that knows me, well, those that knows me closely does know my um, napping ritual. (laughs) (laughs) I literally take a nap um, every single day. Mm -hmm. And I know that you know, taking a nap, especially for kiddos, is so normal and ordinary. But for me, it really is how I recharge or how I calm down. Like, so if I'm mm. anxious, if I'm afraid, if I am overwhelmed, I literally will just say, I need to take a nap. And I, when I wake up, I have more clarity. Mm-hmm. I can focus differently And so I don't necessarily use my naps because I'm sleepy or because I'm lazy. I literally use it to guide me and to help me. And I need to to stop my mind from thinking because I'm very much an overthinker Mm -hmm. and taking a moment to just rest and to do absolutely nothing is really helpful for me. Sacred but ordinary. I would probably say listening to music. I will put on praise and worship in the morning if I need that extra, like I am struggling, but then I will also go to the extreme, like my like size time to like hype me up in the evening. I'll also blast music 
my neighbors probably hate me. I realize <laughs> I walked by and you can hear it from the outside. But I think for most people, <laughs> it's ordinary because it's like, oh, she just she's playing music. For me, it's it's very sacred, no matter what that song is. Um, yeah, music moves me more than TV. Oh, mm-hmm. 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 so Denise, with your napping, have you I'm sure you know about the nap minister, right? Yes, yes. We actually did. uh, We actually have a podcast episode about this grind (laughs) culture where we talk about the nap ministry. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt seen in that episode because (laughs) I am very much a napper um, and, and don't, especially at this phase of my life, feel as if I have to always be on the go. Mm -hmm. Um, I have really set great um, healthy boundaries for myself. I know how to say no, when to say no. And that doesn't mean that my life is not full because I'm, I definitely live a full life and it's really busy with, you know, not only my professional life, but, you know, the organizations that I choose to be involved with. But I also recognize that I have to take time for myself. I have to rest and that's taking a nap. You know, I have mm-hmm. friends that likes to do things on Sundays two to four is nap time. I don't know. Mm. I don't care what I'm doing or what's happening. My body shuts down at two o'clock and I will wake <laughs> up at four. So <laughs> two oh, to four, me. I'm out of commission. So <laughs> I really, really, really respect that. <laughs> I can't nap. <laughs> Uh, I just discovered brown noise um, mm-hmm. as a way to help me sleep. And it's it's like magic. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Brown noise? Brown noise. So you've heard of white noise as a way yeah, to like drown yeah. other sounds. Brown noise is a way for your brain to kind of like get into a, a napping or a sleeping energy rhythm. And it's amazing. So between brown noise and breathing techniques, you can learn to be a napper. Oh, thank <laughs> um, you for your nap. What, what are you deeply grateful for right now? Oh, wow. You know, I am deeply grateful for the time that I'm able to spend with my dog. She's mm. Old. I mentioned earlier, she's over 15 years old. She does have major health issues. And, you know, one of these days I will need to make the decision to put her down. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to work remotely full time so that I can spend as much time um, as possible uh, with her, giving her all the treats that she's not supposed to have, <laughs> loving on her when she lets me love on her. Because it's going to be, I mean, devastatingly heartbreaking when it's time for me to let her go because it's just the two of us. It's just me and her. Um, You know, I mentioned she's my best friend. She's my baby. You know, I don't have any kiddos. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely um, my everything. But I'm so grateful for the 15 plus years we've been able to spend together. She's been Mm -hmm. through all my ups and downs. Um, she truly is the best dog in the entire world. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for um, these moments that I'm able to share with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes me emotional. Um, I would probably say my mom. Yeah, <laughs> she could always sense when I'm down. 
and she tends to like reach out at the perfect time. And even though sometimes I ignore her because I don't want to cry or I don't want to talk to her, <laughs> uh, she's still persistent. And I wake up every morning to text from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Moms are great. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so is there a particular book that has been intriguing you or inspiring you that you would recommend to our audience right now? Yeah. Yeah. I would say a book that I read recently, um, and by recently, I don't remember when I last read it, but it it is called Bamboozled by Jesus. And it's by Mm -hmm. Yvonne Orji, who is an actress and a comedian and now author. And she wrote this book because she talked about how she was truly bamboozled by Jesus to fall into her purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, She is Nigerian. And if you're familiar at all with Nigerian culture, you know, their parents are strong advocates for you to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Like there is nothing else outside of those three professions that you should be. And she did start her collegiate journey um, to be a physician, but it just did not work out for her. And she, by happenstance, had the opportunity to uh, work a party uh, and serve as the host and learned that she was funny Mm. and fell into being a comedian. Her parents did decide to give her, I can't believe it was like one or two years to try to make it. And she packed up her belongings, moved away um, and was sure enough a month from the deadline that they had given her um, and made it. You know, she landed an amazing role and a hit show on um, HBO. She was able to get an HBO comedy special as well. Hmm. Uh, But she, throughout this book, she just talks about her journey to falling into each purpose um, in her life and the struggles that she faced, Hmm. um, but never gave up on her faith and always was reminded with these small, you know, nuggets that God was with her every step of the way. Uh, But she definitely talked about how she was just tricked into uh, this new purpose and and not necessarily aligned with what her parents had for her. Great book. And it's funny because, you know, she's a comedian also. So it's, oh, it's, wow. it's funny, definitely faith-based and definitely a book I would recommend to others. Awesome. I love that. Um, I would probably say, which is very, this is a Holy Spirit. Um, a book I picked up that I bought a really long time ago and I, I recently was traveling and I picked it up so I can read it on the plane and it's called Clarity and Connection by Young Pueblo. I was like unpacking yesterday. He's, uh, he identifies as Latino. He's a meditator, a writer, and a speaker. I don't do any meditation. So this tells you a lot. Um, but his book on Clarity and Connection is really about like, and again, it's interesting because I forgot that this is what this book was about. And so it was very ironic when I picked it up. But his book is about finding a partner who accepts you as you are, but who also inspires you to evolve um, Mm -hmm. because they're taking their own growth seriously. So it's this whole concept on that, right? Like evolving, but also like supporting one another in that evolvement. But because 
the other individual is taking that their own personal growth just as you are seriously in that journey, which is very ironic that I picked it up because of some personal stuff going on in my life. But that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the book I'm reading right now. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the spirit puts books in front of you. I've had that experience so many times where I've bought a book, you know, years ago, mm-hmm. and then oh, yeah, I need something to read. This one looks nice. Mm -hmm. And oh, no, this is exactly (laughs) what I need right now. (laughs) It's the tricky movement of the spirit. (laughs) So um, how can people uh, find you, find the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. We are on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook um, at complicated underscore dm they can find us both that's the same handle for instagram and facebook they can also send us an email at the complicated dm at gmail.com we are always open to topic suggestions any feedback that they want to share our podcast is available on all podcast streaming platforms apple spotify I don't know where else is out Google, there. Google Play, Anchor, <laughs> Anchor yeah, all, those, all the yeah. things. Um, is there a um, particular episode that you would uh, recommend that people start with? You know, actually, probably the first one. I think we do a good uh, intro that we talk a little bit about ourselves and about our um, experiences and why we decided to um, start the podcast. I think they really will see our personality uh, shine there. We talk about our friendship journey. So I would say definitely start from the beginning. Great. Great. Anything else you want to share right now? Anything else coming up or you want to tease an episode coming up? Well, we are a summer podcast, so we actually release um, in the summer, May through September. Uh, We use the springtime to think about topics, um, start recording because we never really have time to ever do anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we definitely have had some opportunities to do some local uh, speaking engagements. And so just pay attention to the local news and check us out. Uh, We are happy to be a part of any other organization that need um, individuals to come in and talk about our story. We do a really good job focusing on solidarity, especially Mm -hmm. from our different racial and ethnic background and how we're able to come together and form this amazing friendship and start a podcast. Mm. Well, wonderful. I really have just enjoyed getting a little bit of insight into you both and I'll tell you that I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast too. So I would highly recommend it. And uh, this has just been so great. So thanks for your time, ladies. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. All right. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, Be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea.
Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.